Happy Easter. I'm so glad you're here. Let's try this out. He is risen. Amen, amen. Will you remain standing as we begin tonight in this brand new series? We are going to start tonight working our way through the book of Ephesians. And tonight we are going to just look at one key verse. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Listen now to God's word. Here's what it says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let's stop right there. Go ahead, have a seat. And let me say thank you for being here tonight to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and being together as a church family. I am so excited about this, uh, this service. I'm so excited about this series that we're going to begin. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at chapter one for a few weeks then chapter two for a few weeks, and then we'll probably take a break during the summer. And then this fall, we'll come back to chapter three. But that said, I want to start things up off for you tonight. And, and I want to kind of just maybe ask about a shared experience that I think all of us have. And it's a shared experience when it comes to, uh, well, well, eating, right? Who here likes a good meal, all right? Now, now who here tries to watch their diet occasionally and, and tries to make sure they're not eating too much of the bad stuff? Okay, so the few of us in there, we, we try to do that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 40 now, and so I try to pay a little bit more attention. And uh, in fact, this last summer, some of you guys know this, my doctor, they said, hey, I really want you to stay away from certain foods. And one of those foods for a while that I was really trying to stay away from is dairy. Now, I don't know if you love dairy, but cheese is a gift from God. There's like coffee, and then there's cheese, you know, like in terms of gifts from God. Cheese is up there. And so I've really kind of been avoiding cheese, but my wife, God bless her, she, she loves me so much that a number of months ago, we were having baked potatoes. And what is a baked potato without cheese, right? And so you have to have your baked potato, your cheese on your baked potato. And, uh, and it was when I was like really doing no dairy whatsoever. I was doing no butter, no yogurt, no milk. And, uh, and so she brought me some of this. It's like it's like cheese, but it's not cheese, right? It's, it's like plant-based cheese. Maybe you like it. If, if you like it, I'm not trying to offend you here. But, uh, but she got this for me thinking that it would really bless me and be amazing. And so, so I put this plant-based cheese on my piping hot potato, and I waited for it to melt. And it did not melt. I said, well, maybe if I put this thing in the microwave, it will melt. And so I go and, you know, 30 seconds in the microwave, pull this thing out. The cheese did not melt. So I'm like, okay, okay, well, I'll at least give it a try, right? And so I started eating this, and I'll tell you what, it tastes nothing like cheese at all, right? Maybe you've had this experience. Maybe you've gone to one of the fast food restaurants these days. They, they've got the Impossible Burger out. Some in this room, they told me that they bought some Impossible Burgers. They were going to cook them, and they were going to eat them. And, and uh, some of you guys, you're resisting. Who here says, I am not going to try the Impossible Burger? Okay, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in the camp with you, especially after my experience with this Cheese, <laughs> right? So, so here's the deal. Uh, if you like that, no, nothing wrong with you. There's no problem with liking something that tastes different. But here is the deal. It is not the same. It is, it is, a, it is an imposter. It is an imitation. I mean, it's, a, it's fake. It's not real. It's not beef if you're eating the Impossible Burger. It's not dairy if you're eating this, this plant-based cheese. It is, it, it is it's an imposter, right? It's an imitation. And, and the reason I share that is because tonight, 
on this great night of celebration when we gather together and everyone we say, Jesus, we love Jesus, we know Jesus, on this great night when we remember not only Jesus' death, but ultimately his resurrection and his victory. And this is a night, a weekend, where we really, we celebrate the blessings of God upon our life. Tonight, I want us to consider how sometimes we think about the blessings of God in the wrong way. I, I actually think that sometimes we think the things in our life that are blessings of God, they're actually imitations of God's blessing. They're like this plant-based cheese or this plant-based food. In fact, here's what I want to land at tonight. I want to give us a robust view of the actual blessings of God, which means that tonight we're going to see that in a world of imitations, God's blessings are authentic. My goal for you tonight is that as we think about verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1, where we end up arriving, my hope is that you desperately long for the blessing of God and you're unwilling to settle for any imitation. Any imitation. Now that said, we, we, we do have to wrestle with some questions we have to wrestle with how do we know the difference between something maybe good in life but versus an authentic blessing of God? How do we identify a true blessing of God and what we would consider maybe an imposter? Maybe we should ask the question, what actually should we expect from God in terms of him blessing us? And if we should expect anything, what do we do to experience the blessing of God? What is it that we might be able to do to experience those blessings? Now, with that said, if you have not already opened up your Bible, will you open up your Bible? Ephesians chapter 1. In the next few weeks, I'm going to give you some more of the backstory of this book. But tonight, we're going to just jump right into Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. This is a letter written to a church in a city called Ephesus. It's written by a man named Paul, and he was the one that actually planted that, that church. He started that church, and then after a number of years ministering there, he left, and this is his letter writing to that church. And here's where we start. We're going to start verse 3. We're going to see that authentic blessing begins with God. Authentic blessing does not begin with your ability to do things that impress God. Authentic blessing does not begin with your ability to say, this is what I think a blessing is. The authentic, the real, the genuine, it begins with God. Ephesians 1 verse 3. I'm going to read this a number of times tonight. I hope that it's almost memorized in your mind by the time we leave. Here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, let's start with this word blessing. If we're going to see that authentic blessing begins with God, if we're going to wrestle with what is the imitation and what is the authentic blessing, we should probably define this word blessing. Now, blessing, really, it's, it's this idea of a benefit bestowed. A blessing is, is something beneficial that is given to your life. It's, it's benefit that you experience. So this blessing, when we say blessing, we are talking about something external that ends up landing, at least for a human, landing in your lap. It's a benefit bestowed. When you find that God is blessing you, you're going to find that there's, there's some benefit that's given to you. But this text begins and it says, 
not blessed be you, it starts with blessed be God. This is the idea that, that God is blessed. This word blessing, it can also be thought of as, as the idea of praised. See, the, the benefit that's bestowed upon, to, upon God, it, it's really the, the praise. Praised be God. Now, the question is, if God is blessed, how is he blessed? And, and if, Valley, we talk about big God theology from time to time. This is not uh, the kind of theology that, that shrinks God down to something that's manageable, that we can wrap our heads around completely, and that we can almost tame. Instead, big God theology, it's this kind of theology where we try to stand back and grasp, even though we're unable to, grasp the fullness of the majesty of God. And so when we say God is blessed, what, what does it mean for God to be blessed? It begins with understanding God is blessed because he is he is completely self-sustaining. There is nothing God ever needs. God is, not, God is not a desperate God that is anxious if we don't praise him. God is not worried about whether or not we're going to do something that pleases him. Listen, God has always existed in perfect sustainability, in perfect pleasure. It's just himself being who he is as the triune God. He is a God who needs nothing, which means that he is blessed. The benefit is bestowed, and ultimately the benefit is bestowed because he himself is the one who blesses himself. He is God. Blessed be, God, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is blessed because he is self-sustaining. He himself blesses himself in who he is in his very nature. But, but also, he is blessed because he is worthy of praise. We just, we just lifted our voices singing to this God. Many of us were singing to him. Why were we singing to him? Were we adding anything to his glory with our song? Is, is, did we add something to God that he was lacking because we were lifting our voice? Actually, no. When we praise him, when we sing to him, all we're really doing is we're reflecting back to him who he is. And so when we say God is blessed, you know what we're doing? We're just recognizing who, who he is. We're praising him for his worth. See, he is blessed because he is self-sustaining. He is blessed because he is worthy of all of our play, praise. And he is blessed, we're, we're going to see, because he is, he is the blesser. Look at this next point. Not only is God blessed, but God is the blesser. Sometimes we sing a song, it's praise God from whom all blessings flow. He is the blesser, do you realize that God is the source of every good gift that you experience in your life? Everything good in your life, the very source, the fount, the originator, the, 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 the fountainhead at the very top, it's God. I love the way James describes it. James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Even verse 16, you need to hear it. It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Do not be deceived about what? Look at verse 17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. See, he is this blesser. He is the source of everything. Every good gift that you experience. 
Well, today I was out on the ball field with a bunch of seven and eight-year-olds, and we thought we were going to get rained out. And between me and you, because I had service tonight, I was kind of hoping we would get rained out, right? Lord, I wouldn't mind if you rained out this game. <laughs> and then he gave me blue skies. <laughs> and those blue skies were such a joy to play under. What a blessing. But, but that blessing is ultimately found its source in the good hand of God. See, see, every blessing we experience comes from God. I want you to think about it like this. You realize God blessed you when he created you. Do you believe God blesses you every moment you breathe as he sustains you? I want you to think about how God blesses you in a million ways every day that go without our perception if we're not careful to stop and realize it. He blesses us with the sunrise day after day. He blesses us faithfully with the seasons. He blesses us with, with an ecosystem where everything works in a, in a beautiful way on planet Earth. He blesses us with the solar system that we are amazed at, and we've only begun to scratch the tip of the iceberg in the vastness of the solar system. He blesses us with our circulatory system. You realize the blood is flowing through your veins because God designed it, and he sustains you. Your respiratory system, your nervous system, your brain function, everything that is good in your life. Praise God from whom all blessing flows. Church, this God that we speak of, he is giant and he is good. He has blessed us in so many ways. But, but here's the deal. The authentic blessing is found in God. What about this imitation the imitation, the, the, the imposter blessing, it's not find, finding its source in God. The, the, the imitation begins with man. The imitation begins with man. It begins with mankind. It begins with when we try to arrange life to work the way we want it to work, separated from who God is, separated from God's design, separated from God's character, and separated from God's desire, the imitation, the, the fake blessings are the ways that we try to manufacture blessings outside of God. This makes me think of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Here's what it says. It says, but in, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, Arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Well, let's just put a pin in it right here. We're going to come back to this text in a moment. But, but you, here, here's what you see. All of these descriptors, all of these evil attitudes and evil actions, you know what they, the very base are? They're separated from who God is. They're separated from God's character. They're separated from God's desire. They're separated from God's word. You know what these bless this description is? This is the description of when you and I, when we try to get blessings outside of God. And the only way to do it is to be proud and arrogant, to be a lover of self and a lover of money. It's to be inconsiderate of God. It's to leave God out and make ourselves our own mini little God. This is... 
This is the imitation. Imitation begins with man. Reminds me of when I was in college. I was having dinner at a, at a Red Robin with a group of friends from college. And we, you know, college kids out there were probably ate out too late and spending money we probably didn't have buying burgers. But one of my friends, he was dating a gal. I'm going to go back to the food illustration, by the way. He was dating a gal, and she was, she was a vegan. She did not eat meat. And back then, they did not have the Impossible Burger, but they had this, this veggie burger that was like bean burger and like a sprout burger thing. Some of you guys might remember that, right? And so my friend, he, he was dating this girl, and he wanted to be sensitive to her, and so he, he ordered the veggie burger because he, he wanted to impress her, but then he ordered bacon on it because he wanted to mess with her, right? <laughs> it's the imitation. It's the fake, it, it's kind of, it's man-made. It's doing it my way. It's not, it's not doing it the way it's meant to be. This is, this is what we're talking about, but we're talking about it coming from the very core of our hearts. When we say, God, I want blessing my way, not yours. Authentic blessings, they begin with God. But let's keep going. Let's, let's unravel a little bit more of verse 3. Not only do we see authentic blessing, it begins with God, but secondly, authentic blessing is given in Christ. The, the most authentic and true and real, the most genuine and sincere, the best and the greatest blessing, it is given in Christ. You see, all of humanity gets to experience the blessing of the sun rising and the sun setting. All of humanity gets to experience the blessing of a solar system and a circulatory system. All of creation gets to experience this, this grace of God in the way he has made everything to work. But the greatest blessing, they're found in Christ. Look at verse 3 again. Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at these next few words. Who has blessed us in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. In Christ. I want you to say these two words with me. Are you ready? Here we go. In Christ. Let's do it again. This, this, is, this is the most important aspect of the entire thing that I'm going to say today. Here we go. Ready? In Christ. You, you see, authentic blessing is given in Christ. When we talk about Christ, it's important that we, we're all on the same page about who we're actually talking about. I mean, it is Easter after all, isn't it? It is Easter. We should tell the story of Jesus. Can, can we just maybe, maybe set down your notes for a minute and, and let's just remember the story of Jesus for a moment here. Jesus, his story begins before the beginning of the earth. Jesus is the eternal, pre-existent one. He's the second member of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He has existed for all eternity. When we talk about Jesus, we have to talk about the Old Testament Scripture all the way before you get to this book of Matthew, this first almost two-thirds of your Bible. He has prophesied about. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, and there's prophecy about Jesus who is going to come. And then you get to the New Testament, and you find that Jesus, he is, he is born of a virgin miraculously. So he's different from everyone else in all of creation. He's man, truly man, but he's also truly God. And in this Jesus, he lives the most amazing life ever. He teaches like no one who's ever taught before. He heals the blind and the sick and the lame. He raises the dead. 
And all the while, he does all of this without ever once, without ever once violating the law of God. This is called being sinless. Jesus is is the perfect, sinless Son of God. His entire life, he does only what the Heavenly Father desires. He is perfect in the entirety of his life. And then, and then this this God-man, Jesus Christ, the perfect, sinless Son of God, he takes on the role of the perfect, sinless Lamb of God. And he takes your sin and my sin and he carries it outside of the city limits where he is nailed upon a cross. He's beaten and mocked. They speak sarcastic words at him and they spit upon him. And then they raise this cross up until he breathes his last And he dies to pay the price for you and for me. His disciples bury him, feeling hopeless and helpless, thinking the story is over with this final dark chapter until on the third day, on Easter, after the Sabbath, Jesus is resurrected victoriously from the grave, Hundreds of people see him until he ascends to heaven where he now, right now, now in this very moment, he reigns on high. This is the Jesus we talk about. This is the Jesus of the scripture. This is the Jesus who is going to return and going to come again. This is the Jesus of whom the scripture speaks. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. In Christ. You realize that the authentic blessing is found in Christ. I want to connect the dots for us a little bit this evening. I want us to understand what some of this blessing, and I'm just going to be honest. We could sit here for for months on end, and we cannot even begin to plumb the depth of the blessing that exists for us in Christ. I want to be be careful not to to, uh, go too deep tonight that we we, we, we just stay here and don't ever leave, right? But, But let's talk about a few of the key aspects of what it means for you if you are in Christ to be blessed in Christ. The first one is that in Christ, you are blessed with righteousness. In Christ, you are blessed with righteousness. Now, this word righteousness, maybe it's not a word you're familiar with, but this word righteous, it means to be in right standing before God. This means when God looks at you, he does not see your failure and your sin and your folly and all the times you messed up today. This means that if you are in Christ, when God looks at you, he sees righteousness. One of the greatest passages that describes this, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Listen to this amazing text about you being righteous in Christ. Here's what it says. It says, for our sake... He, God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. He never once sinned. 
but God put our sin upon him. Look at this. So that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. This is, this is amazing. This is oftentimes called the great exchange. Do you understand what this is saying? This is saying that Jesus, he lived a perfect life and that you, you did not. You and I, we're over here and we have an unrighteous life and Jesus has a righteous life. You and I over here, we have a sinful life and Jesus has a sin, sinless life. And here's what the scripture says. It says that, that God exchanged those positions so Jesus, he was perfect, but then he took on all of the sin of God. God made him sin. He didn't make Jesus do sin. He just poured all of our sin upon him. And then it says that you and I, we were full of sin. Now we might be the righteousness of God. This is amazing. Sometimes we call this, this is sometimes called the active obedience of Christ. Listen, this doesn't just mean that you are righteous. This means that when God looks at you, he sees that all the entirety of Jesus' perfect life, he sees that that has been credited to you. All of the good Jesus did. All of the, the, the perfect obedience of Jesus. God looks at you and he says, I see that you now have credit for that. Anybody here on their own even come close to being righteous? <laughs> maybe for an hour <laughs> or maybe a couple seconds. But the reality is we don't even come close. But in Christ, you have the blessing of righteousness. Let me show you another blessing. In Christ, secondly, you have the blessing of forgiveness. You've been blessed with forgiveness. Look at another foundational text about how you are blessed with Christ, in Christ. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. A very simple text. It says this. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what we just saw a moment ago? We, a moment ago, we saw the great exchange. Now we see the great forgiveness. This, this says that if we recognize that we are sinners, that we can't be good enough on our own, if we confess, which means to speak the same, if we say the same thing about our lives that God says about it, if we, are, if we do that, it says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is that moment on the cross when your sin has been paid for. Your sin is not cleansed away because God has some spiritual magic eraser that he comes in and he just cleans you off. Your sin, it is cleansed because the consequence of your sin has been paid in full by Jesus and his death on the cross in your place. If we first see Jesus and his active obedience being credited to you, now we see Jesus and his passive obedience as he died upon the cross for our sins, and we see that being credited to you as forgiveness. Can you just marvel with me for a moment that the perfect, sinless Son of God 
if you have trusted in him and his death and resurrection, he has forgiven you of all of your sins. And when the Father looks at you, he sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus. That is what we call blessing. That is what we call the authentic blessing that is found in Christ. But let's, let's remember that there's an imitation out there as well. And this imitation is very dangerous in the church world. This imitation ignores our sin. You need to understand the, the, the righteousness that we have in Christ and the forgiveness that we have in Christ, both of them, they require that we acknowledge the reality of our sin. If we, don't, if we say that we've never sinned, guess what? We don't need, we don't need the righteousness of Jesus if we act like we have no sin in our life, then we don't need the forgiveness of Jesus. That means when we say that I, I can do life without God, that I, I don't violate God, in that moment we are denying the most authentic and ble best blessing that could ever exist. In fact, if you're still in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The very next verse, verse 10, says this. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Listen, if we first see the great exchange, and then we see next the great forgiveness, you know what we see right now is what I will call the great lie. The great lie. The great lie in church world, it sounds like this, maybe not verbalized, but it sounds like this in your mind. You know, I just need a little bit of Jesus so I feel better about myself. I just need a little bit of church so I can do some good things before God's sight. I just need to do a little bit of good works, and so maybe I'll cancel out some of the bad things that I've done in my life, and at the end, I'll, I'll do a little bit better than I've done worse, and God will accept me. This is what we call the great lie. It's ignoring the fundamental reality that exists in you and in me and in every one of us that we have this problem called sin. It's like being a person who has half a dozen cavities and each of them hurt, but you drink soda all day long. It's be like being the person that has the check engine light and there's a weird colored smoke coming out of your exhaust, but you just keep driving that car and don't get it looked at at all. You just keep acting like, you just, it's okay everything's fine, there's no problem here. But, but rather than talking about a physical ailment or a vehicle that's having problems, we're talking about the very core of who you are when we're unwilling to acknowledge our sin before him. The great lie. Let me take this opportunity. Because I recognize on Easter, sometimes people come and maybe you have not been in church for a while, and maybe you've started to believe the great lie. You know what our culture loves to do? Our culture loves to spoon-feed you the great lie. And it sounds something like this. As long as you're happy, you're doing just fine. You can do whatever you want. God loves everyone. Just be happy. Don't, don't buy the lie. The lie is an imitation that is meant to keep you away from the true and authentic blessing that is only found where? In Christ. Here's where we are tonight. Here's what we see. We see that first of all, the, the authentic blessing, it begins with God, not with man. The imitation begins with man. 
Secondly, we see that the authentic blessing, it is found in Christ and nowhere else. We, we can't believe the great lie. Instead, we need, to, we need to trust in the great exchange and in the great forgiveness. But third, the authentic blessing, it is spiritual in nature. Back to chapter 1, verse 3 of Ephesians. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You realize what this says if you are in Christ. It says that for the person in Christ, every spiritual blessing is yours right now. Every spiritual blessing is yours right now. Now this means that we have to, we have to get out our, our strainer and we have to sift through what is true and what is simply a feeling. Because you might be sitting here and you might say, I trust in Jesus, but I don't feel very blessed. I don't feel like I have these blessings. Listen, you might not feel very righteous right now. You might this week have been doing things that you've trusted Jesus, but you are not very, you don't feel very righteous right now. But, but listen very carefully. Every spiritual blessing is yours if you're in Christ. That, that, doesn't, that, that means it doesn't matter how you feel. You are, in fact, righteous. You might not feel very forgiven right now. You might be here saying, Mike, you don't know that I've been doing this and I've been doing this. God must certainly hate me after all the things I've done. You know how long it's been since I've been to church? You know how long since it's been since I've cracked my Bible or I've prayed? You know how many bad things I've done today? Listen, if you were willing to trust Christ, if you were willing to be in Christ, it doesn't matter how you feel. His forgiveness is true because he is faithful and just. It doesn't matter if you're in Christ. You, you may feel like you don't have the blessings that you want because you don't have the stuff, but, but these are the spiritual blessings that are yours right now. And listen, spiritual blessings are much better. Let's just think for a moment. If you had the blessing of the nicest car ever right now, how long is that going to last? 20 years if you, if you take great good care of it? You might have the blessing of the most amazing house that you could find. How long is that going to work for you? 60 years, maybe a little bit longer. You might have the blessing of being the healthiest person in this church or the healthiest person along you or the healthiest person in the United States or in the world. How long is that going to last you? A hundred years? Maybe a few more? But if you have the spiritual blessing in Christ, that means these material earthly blessings, they are like half a grain of sand compared to every grain of sand that exists on the face of the earth multiplied by every grain of sand that exists on the face of the earth. There is no comparison whatsoever. The, the imitation the imitation is like cheese. It doesn't melt on your baked potato. <laughs> the imitation is worthless and empty compared to the authentic blessings that you have in Christ. Now, now these, these are yours right now, but look what the text says. It says that they're yours in the heavenly places or in the heavenly realm. This means that every spiritual blessing, it awaits you in heaven. This is the idea of almost already not yet. 
You've been given these blessings. They are yours. Your name is written on them. They're just waiting for you, but you haven't actually, you haven't put your hands on them. This is like a 15-year-old that their parents just bought them a car, and it's sitting right there in the parking lot. They have the keys right there on the kitchen counter, but guess what? They're only 15, and they don't have the license yet. And they can't wait for that day they have the license. They can't wait for the day where they get to take it out along, uh, for a drive all by themselves. But it's not in their hands yet. Believer, every spiritual blessing is yours. Every, Christ is going to share his inheritance with you. We're going to see that in a few weeks forever. And it's waiting for you in heaven but listen, sometimes we, we forget that every spiritual blessing is ours. Sometimes we forget what is waiting for us in the heavenly realm, and instead we start to want the imitation. The imitation, you know what it does? The imitation gives the false promise of a better blessing. The imitation gives a false promise of a better blessing I read for you 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 earlier. But I want to read those to you, and I want to read verses 3 and 4. Here's, here's this imitation. It says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be, here we go, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, verses 3 and 4, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is where I wanted us to land. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. See, this is actually, I think, the most profound description of the imitation blessing. Here's, here's what the imitation blessing says. It says, if you will love yourself more than you love God, if you will do whatever makes you happy instead of trusting in Christ, if you will pursue your own desires and your own will and your own pleasure, if you will love yourself and forget about loving God, where in that moment there is the false promise of a better blessing. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. You can achieve a, a worldly better blessing for however many years you want on earth. You, you can achieve it with all the things it described, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. You, you can go and make your life about your wealth and about the pleasure you can receive, and you can be a lover really of yourself. And you can live it up. But, but those are... Those are empty promises. Those are empty promises that lead nowhere except for the opposite direction of the Lord. The, the scripture speaks of that place as a place that is eternally separated from God. The, the word that we're afraid to use sometimes is the word hell. It's far from God. It's far from the true and authentic blessing. This is what the world wants to do. It wants to give you the fake blessing the entire life you live here so that you'll, you'll miss out on the authentic blessing that is waiting for you in the heavenly places for all eternity. I want to be very frank with you tonight. 
when we talk about the blessings in Christ, we are not talking about an easy life. We don't say come to Jesus and your life is going to be easy. When we talk about the blessings in Christ, I want to be very clear. We are not talking about a worldly successful life. We are not saying come to Jesus and everything's going to work out fine. You'll be promoted. You'll be rich. You'll be healthy. That is not what we're talking about. When we say come to Jesus, we're not talking about your your best worldly life now. No, instead, blessings in Christ, they are eternal and they are waiting for you in the heavenly realm, but they are so abundant. Listen very carefully. They spill over the edge of heaven into the heart of the believer as they live their life right now. You know what they spill over and what, what that overflow looks like? It looks like joy that no amount of pleasure can meet in this world. No, no, no pleasure can rival the joy for the person that is in Christ. It looks like peace It looks like a peace that no amount of worldly security can even come close to. Listen, the person in Christ can have peace in their poverty, while the the person outside of Christ that is rich can have nothing but anxiety and stress in their heart. We're talking about hope. Hope that knows that no matter how hard life becomes, Christ is faithful and he will hold you fast. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about love. Love that is completely unconditional. In a world that says you will be loved if you do all these right things, the love that we find in Christ is a love that says you are loved, period. Perfectly. No matter what. This week I was talking with an 11-year-old kid. He's a 12, 12-year-old kid. He is, uh, he's been living with, uh, with foster parents for pretty much his entire life. He, he, he saw me Friday. He came and he was so excited to see me. He says, Mike, I got something I want to tell you. I was like, what is it? He's like, I'm not going to tell you right now. And he came to the class I taught. And he said, I said, okay, okay, class is beginning. Will you tell me? He says, I'm not going to tell you now. I'm going to tell you after class. So okay, class ended. There's a handful of students that had a few questions that they wanted to ask, and, and I was like, well, you're next in line. He said, nope, I'm going to wait till everyone's out of the class. So uh, three or four other kids, they came up, they had a few questions. We, we, we had this conversation, and then finally he was really, there was one other kid kind of cleaning up some stuff, but he was right there in front of me. He said, Mike, I'm getting adopted. His face was beaming you know who's adopting him? The people he's been living with for his entire life. You realize nothing really is going to change except for a signature on a piece of paper. His life as he knows it, there, there's going to be no major change. There's going to be nothing. Ma- he's not going to wake up the next day living in a different house and driving in a different car and eating a different meal. It's going to be exactly the same as the day before. But in that moment, in that moment, his, his, these promises he's had, they become fulfilled. You know what? You've been adopted. And we're going to see that in the next few weeks. You know what? You have been blessed. Do you know that you have the most authentic and genuine and real blessing being offered to you right now? And it is better than any of the imitation blessings that this world offers. You know what that means for us today? 
That, that means that there, there are one of two people in this room that are going to have different options to, for the way they respond. Let me speak first of all, if you are a believer in Christ right now, if you are in Christ right now, here's what I simply want you to do. I want you to rejoice in the blessings of Jesus Christ that have been given to you. That's it. I don't have five steps for you to, to live a, a different life as you leave this place. He, all I want you to do this Easter weekend, I want you to basically bask in the blessings of God in Christ they are all yours, not because of what you've done, but because Jesus died and he rose again and he has given these blessings to you. Will you just do that? We just, we just rejoice knowing that you have been blessed in Christ. That's what I want you to do if you're a believer. But let me speak. Let me speak for a moment if, you, if you're not a believer. Or maybe you, you, you would say, I kind of am a believer, but I'm kind of distant from God. I want to speak to both those groups in the same way. Here's what I want you to do. I, I don't have a list for you either. I'm not going to ask you to commit to coming to church every week and reading your Bible every day and praying at every meal. I don't have a list for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do one thing. I want you to say yes to Jesus. I want you to trust that Jesus is exactly as we described him earlier, the perfect, sinless son of God. I want you to believe that he died and that his death paid the price, not for some, not for most, but for all of your sin. I want you to believe today, to put your faith in the fact, the truth, that he was resurrected from the grave and that he now lives forevermore and will reign forever. I want you to put your faith in him. Now, will your life be different? In you, it will. You'll start to want Christ. You'll start to grow. You'll start to change. But Jesus, he'll do that. What I want you to do right now is simply to do this one thing. Would you be willing to trust in Jesus? In fact, I'm going to ask you right now, will you just bow your head? I'm going to give you a moment. You and the Lord, you meet with him. I'm going to pray for us all in just a moment. But right now, for the believer in this room, I just want you to say thank you, Lord. I want you to rejoice in him. I want you to, to bask in the blessings of Christ. But if you're that person that's sitting here and you're ready to trust in Christ, I just want you to pray to him right now on your, on your own. Tell him that you believe in Jesus. Tell him you believe that Jesus died and rose again, that your sins have been washed away, that you have been completely forgiven. I hope if that's you, you'll come and you'll tell me that after service. But most importantly right now, tell that to, to the Heavenly Father as you pray right now. Heavenly Father, we, we praise you. We praise you for this amazing verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Father, we thank you 
We thank you that we now stand before you because of Jesus as those who are forgiven. We now stand before you because of Jesus as those who you see as righteous. And Father, we simply come and we rejoice in what Christ has done. And we thank you. Father, help us to respond to your grace with, with true worship. Help us to sing from a, a pure heart and a sincere love with a genuine faith. And Father, for those in this room who, for the first time, they are putting their faith in you, they are trusting in Jesus and his death and resurrection, Lord, I pray that you would help them, that you would walk with them, that you would mature them, that you would grow them. Father, I pray that you would surround them with other Christians that will help strengthen them. And ultimately, Lord, we pray that they too would grow as they know what it means to be blessed. Not with the imitation of the world, but with the true blessing that is in Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.